0: Okay, so the volume's good then, Lane? Yep. Okay, excellent. So I'm at a small little corner of your screen. That's probably good. I'm getting older now. <laughs> I've got... Go- my kid- ...but I don't have... ...Lane has got. Wow. <laughs> That's a serious beard. But, uh, okay, first of all, I, you know, I wanted to see you guys. Uh, we, so Lane worked really hard yesterday to figure out how we could actually, how I could be actually looking at you instead of from the back on top of the uh, the back of the church. So I really appreciate that lane so I can see it. You guys are all really small, so I can hardly tell who who is who, but nonetheless, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy that I can and see you somewhat. Um, and it's so good to be here. I really apologize for not uh, being out there. Uh the roads out here around Calgary were just like ice as of yesterday, and my wife gave me one of these and and said no and so uh Lane hopped into action here, and we were able to figure something out here and hopefully uh this is gonna work uh point and I'm hoping that it's gonna work and uh i'll i'll I think I'll just start right now, but I'm just so happy to be uh and just delighted to be here. Uh, it's been a couple of years. In fact, it's been since before COVID, which when I checked my, my records and the last time I spoke here, uh it it was almost two, three years ago. So I I feel bad about that. But thanks for giving me the opportunity here today. I'd like you to do one thing. I got a lot of things to cover here today, uh, but I want you to imagine a scene like this in a Ukrainian town. These people are filling up their water bottles. And we're part of this process as well, uh, providing water for people. The infrastructure of all these towns and villages and cities. And so just imagine the story about Oksana. It's a sunny day and she's waiting in line to get uh, water for her family. And she is kind of ignoring the booms and the thuds of the rush in the distance. And... Uh, I trying to lighten the mood. Ukrainians have an amazing sense of humor, so she's trying to lighten the mood and tell a few jokes, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, from the corner of her eye, she saw something and heard a hissing noise. She knew exactly what it was. She yelled for everyone to get down. Within seconds, that water line was drenched in blood, and the air was filled with screaming people. They've been hit by a Russian cluster bomb. I'll tell you what a cluster bomb is it's one bomb that has 72 smaller sub bombs within it. One of these bombs with the 72 underneath it can cover an entire length of a football field. It's, it's banned by international law, but the Russians use it to kill civilians. The hailstorm over Many had died, and they were able to take her to a hospital in a wheelbarrow. But she survived. Welcome to uh welcome to Hearts World. Welcome to Ukraine right now. And this is the kind of life people are facing each and every day. I've been um spent the last 26 years leading Hearts Ministry in Eastern Europe and for me, this war—and you guys know—you—you you, you know a lot about me and my background and my wife and et cetera, et cetera—but um, I take this war is intensely personal for me as well. And in the number of friendships that we have around the country with pastors and ministries, hundreds around the country. Uh, my my own family is in Ukraine. My wife's family is in Ukraine, and. Um, Almost every one I've been to, a few places I haven't been to. So for me, it's, it's, it's all personal. So I, I thank you for this opportunity to share with you what's going on from our perspective on the ground. And, and I want, you're going to see an awful lot of work that Heart is, is doing, but I want you to keep this in mind too. All the work you see is because of people like you in Manor Gospel. We cannot do what we do without support from people like you. You're going to see a lot of work that you were responsible for in Eastern Europe, especially now through this war. So we're going to try to go through a couple of things. Uh, I want to give you some um, sense of what's going on, what really is going on today in Ukraine. Now, hard overview, minimal time. You guys all know what we do. Um, Hearts war response. uh, That's an absolutely interesting thing, in. And also, toward the end, I want to talk a little bit about some putting hot count in in a hurting world. I want to maybe just share with you some things that God's been opening my heart to. And then, you know what? We may have some uh, time for questions later. It depends on how uh, quickly I can I can go through. And you guys know me; sometimes I can go quick, sometimes not. Uh, first of all, facts about Ukraine and the current crisis. First of all, you see Ukraine there. Uh, 45 million people. Everybody around the world knows where Ukraine is now uh, because of this war. And uh, but I, but you know what, you guys, you know, there were times when I've been out to Manor, and I remember in 2014 I was showing you the Revolution. So this war in Ukraine started eight years ago. It didn't start eight or nine months ago. It started eight years ago when Russia and Putin invaded our country. Uh, took Crimea and parts of of uh, the eastern part of the country. It didn't just start soon. We've already had a couple of million refugees from back then as well, and now it's even worse. And you all know Vladimir Putin. Uh, and maybe some of you were in my office years ago. I used to have this punching bag inside the door. As soon as you walked into my office, you could give Vladimir Putin a, an uppercut. But Let me clarify some things. There's a lot of misinformation out there. We all know that. Um, let me clarify what why Putin invaded Ukraine to begin with. It had nothing to do with denazifying Ukraine. It had nothing to do with liberating Russian-speaking people uh, because those Russian-speaking people don't want to be liberated by the Russians. It has nothing to do with NATO as much as people we're talking about that, and it has nothing to do with Putin wanting to, he has these delusions of grandeur of the glory days of the Soviet Union kind of thing. It has nothing to do with any of those. Here's a real reason. The bottom line is this. Putin cannot allow a free and democratic and prosperous Ukraine right next to an unfree, undemocratic, and unprosperous Russia. Bottom line, and the reason for that, it will trigger a revolution, and revolutions aren't that kind to dictators. So Putin's number one goal is self-preservation of him and the kleptocracy of all these oligarchs and and the multi-billions of dollars they all control. One of the things that Putin didn't understand is there was a guy that he didn't factor into the whole equation. And this guy's name is Volodymyr Zelensky, and uh, I believe this is still on YouTube. If you ever want to see a program, Zelensky its a fascinating story. We're in this fictional television program; he becomes kind of an accidental president of Ukraine, and now is fighting the corruption of the oligarchs. The third into the third season of doing this television program. We had a general election in Ukraine and Zelensky was drafted to run for president. He proceeded to win by a 70% margin over the next person. So he became, he became the leader that Ukraine needed in this time of war. He's absolutely inspirational and has shown so much character, character and courage. In the first days of the war, the American Special Ops said, listen, President, we can fly you out of Kiev and and to safety, you and your family, and he's, I don't, i nation. That's the character of this guy. Let me set this record straight on him too. Most, a lot of people uh, make jokes about the fact that he was a comedian, he was an actor, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the, the rest of the story. He also has a law degree. So he's a trained lawyer. And he's also a millionaire on his own right. Him and his wife have their own media company. They produce shows for television. And he is a very smart businessman. And so he has his own money. And you know what? When I when I talk to people, my a lot of my Republican friends in the US, I would say to them, what US president in the last 20, 30, 40 years do we remember as being an absolutely stellar, stellar president. Somebody that we admire even to this day. Most Republican friends of mine would say Ronald Reagan. And I would say, yeah, you're absolutely... He was an actor. These actors, like like Ronald Reagan and like Zelensky, have this real gift of communication. And Zelensky is... Giving a master class in leadership and communication by using the latest technology, by uh, speaking to his people every day of this war, he is speaking to the people of Ukraine from his heart. I've never seen my wife so patriotic as as through this war. Amazing. So, what's what? Of this awful thing going on right now, this senseless war, refugees untold. How many millions and multi millions of people? They say that two thirds of all people in Ukraine, up to two thirds, have been on the move. The number, like more of the children in Ukraine, have had to leave their homes and they're on the move as well. But we see things like this. We see people living in bomb shelters. And this is a good one. This has got electricity. People are living in these things for weeks and months in the basement of buildings. This destruction, like, you know, this these are all these are all war crimes hitting civilian populations. This these are all war crimes. This little old lady probably survived the holodomir, the starvation in Ukraine in the 1930s, survived World War II survived the communist era, and now, 2022, home is destroyed by another war. Just amazing, the hardship of the Ukrainian people. Um, Lane, are you able to show the first video? Let me set it ready if, if we're able to. Uh, this was a film taken by... In a a foster home, by the father in the foster home, the air raid sirens go on, and the kids know what to do. They go into the basement, into a, a sort of a crawl space, and they wait till the siren goes out. But this was a little video of that experience. think it's finished uh yeah just we all recognize that song sung by children in a in a bomb shelter i you know wanted to mention uh, something here too um when we when we think of what putin is doing i you know here's a vivid example of of how satan can use someone like putin he's done something that even communism couldn't do and that is to divide the church you know, I talked to all kinds of people uh, who survived the communist era, Christians, and that they all say, under the communist system, a Christian brother and sister was a Christian brother and sister. Doesn't matter if they were Pentecostal or Baptist, Lutheran, Seventh day Adventist, didn't matter. Today, today, The Russian Baptist Union says that Putin is their savior. The Ukrainian Baptist Union says Putin is Satan himself. How does that happen? Who has has a purpose and a desire to divide the church of Jesus Christ? Satan. Putin has done that. Not only that, the amount of disinformation coming out of the Kremlin and Russia is all kinds of divisions, even in the evangelical church today. We all know that. We all know that. Just remind you, who wants to divide the church? Okay, what is hard for, for for maybe the one person in the church who doesn't know much about us, uh, who are we, what do we do, and, and what is hard doing? I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but uh, essentially we empower and equip the uh, national churches. And Pastor, with all due respect, I love you, but I have never considered myself a missionary. Um, we started 26 years, uh, 26 years ago, we started a journey doing something that was really kind of a paradigm shift, and that is we chose to support and serve the national churches in the countries we work in, and that's all we do. Uh, our, our mission is to empower and equip the church. Our vision really is just to transform lives and communities, and our strategy is all through partnerships. And that's that's what we do. Now, how do we how do we uh, empower and equip the local church is through resources? Here's just a quick slide of just a number. the and these, you know the ways that we support churches in Eastern Europe. And you know, for those of you who know the economy in Eastern Europe, it's you know Ukraine is the uh, economic basket case of all of Europe. They can't afford much, and so your help to us, can we can help them, provide them with resources so that their churches become self-sufficient. That's the whole goal. Provide them with the resources they need so they can become self-sufficient. That's kind of what we do. And then through all of these churches we work with, the church is the center of all of the programs and projects that we do in Ukraine. The national church leads these programs, and we partner with this, all over the country, trying to change their own communities and their lives, and that's kind of that's kind of how we do it. And this is so interesting that over the years, we have uh, partnerships in Eastern Europe, probably over two hundred different partnerships. Over, Eastern, includes Moldova and Romania and Belarus and some parts of southern Russia in Central Asia, all over the place. So. We created this unbelievable network. God created this, this network. I wasn't smart enough to figure this out, but God created this wonderful network. So guess what? Since we already had this extensive network throughout Ukraine, we we didn't need to send any missionaries home during the pandemic, nor did we have to send any missionaries home during the war. It's, it's almost like Hart was... You know, we have this war, but heart was designed for a moment like this. Let me just explain a couple of the things that that we were doing. You can see at the beginning of the war, the green area there are the safe regions of Ukraine. Within the first two to three weeks of the war, we had all to all all of our partners in the safe zones in the country because they were being flooded by refugees. Here's what's happening. They took out the pews and put down mattresses all over the country in the safe zones. These churches were inundated with refugees night and day. They don't have the finances to look after all these kind of people. People were sleeping in choir lots, choir risers, I should say, feeding people. Night and day, people are coming to the churches at all hours of the days and nights. It was a an process and continues. You know, what does the Bible say about refugees? Well, it says the Bible doesn't contain a word, the word refugee, but God made it clear about how we should treat foreigners, especially those in need. In Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says, And loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food, and clothing. This this describes what the church, the evangelical church, has been doing since the beginning of the war. And I remember after the first week of the, the first month of the war, we heard in the city of Lviv, which is on the western side of the country where Hart has an office, and we heard from the mayor of Lviv and the mayor and the governor of the entire Lviv province. They were telling the newspapers that the number one group of people who were prepared and helping the most with refugees were the, and it's because part of it was because you and us supplied all of these churches with the resources they needed to look after, to look after these orphans. So here's here's a quick summary of some of the stuff we did. Relief, and tons of stuff we had, we had distribution centers which we sent food out, invited all kinds of churches to our centers where they could get food and take it back to their churches. And I here's an example too. I, it's just so amazing how we had all this stuff orchestrated from the country of Poland. And so we were getting all we were getting truckloads of food from Poland to right across the country, let's say to a city like Kharkiv. Here's just an example of what we would do. We had a warehouse in Warsaw, Poland. From there, loaded up the trucks, got them all across the country into a, into a distribution center, let's say in Kharkiv, right in the other side of Ukraine. And we had all of these churches now coming and filling up their smaller vans with all, all of the stuff that we brought into the distribution centers. At the churches, they divided all of these packages into individual packages in their van to distribute to the needy families this system was feeding tens of thousands of people in ukraine all started from poland and all through just a network of people in our network uh just impacting impacting so many lives here's a guy (laughs) oleg here uh no this is volodya volodya here with the one arm he actually was taking in food to Russian-occupied centers where they're persecuting Christians. We were able to, because of his one arm, we were able to find him an automatic uh, van. You can't find them almost anywhere in Europe. Everyone's doing a stick shift. We found one specifically for him. He was the happiest guy in the world. But he's taking food to Russian-occupied areas. Uh, there's a lot of danger involved in that. Uh, we're buying vans. All Per 35, and they're used for evacuating people. There was a guy that we gave a van to. He had asked us for a van. He wanted to evacuate people from the area. He lives in Odessa. Within two days, we were able to get him a van. He started with tears in his eyes getting the keys, but he got in the van uh, and headed out that day, brought the very first day Rescued 104 people, evacuated them from a, a war-torn area, and in at the end of the week, by the first week, it already e- evacuated about 1,000 people. So we were buying all kinds of vans like this that were used for distribution of food and evacuations. We've also with ambulances. Uh, we purchased about 30, 35 ambulances. And why do we need ambulances? Well, the Russians have destroyed over 400 hospitals around the country, and they continue to destroy them every day. And what we're doing now is with these medical, and you see people coming and getting for the first time. They're getting some sort of medical care wherever they are, and especially in areas that have been recently liberated by the Ukrainian troops. They will send in. Uh, they will send in these um, uh, ambulances to do the, uh, uh, you know, just the medical work. Um, You've all heard of Bucha, by the way. I, this is where there was just so many crime scenes by the Russians. Bucha was was just destroyed. Um, the mayor of Bucha had said to uh, us, uh, not actually to us, but we had heard uh, through him that he needed some vans, any hospitals at all. So Hart was the first, first of all, to get in there with food. We were one of the first NGOs to get into Bucha right after the Russians were kicked out. We were the first to get in there with food, and we also provided the mayor with a couple of vans that became ambulances. One, absolutely, one from the mayor thanking Hart and its supporters for being able to do that to us. We also uh, we sent in all kinds of first aid kits for the army, for civilians, uh, and of course we also uh, evacuated about. I don't know 12 1500 orphans we provided uh water in fact we're on the sign here the guy is writing the stencil It, uh God loves you uh on these so we're providing water for people in in different cities as well and um Lane if you could start the second video that was basically a thank you from one of our church partners and all the work that they were doing to help the refugees during the war and I'll let I'll let Lane Set that one up.
1: The war in Ukraine has caused a lot of trouble, destroyed properties, and worst of all, destroyed human lives and destinies. However, the whole world has united together with Ukrainians to help those in need. Volunteers, donors, and people from different parts of the world have opened their hearts to support Ukraine. And together we collect much needed finances, food, hygiene, and medicine. For some people in Ukraine, it's a matter of survival. Just imagine how important this support is to people who escape from the shelling Who left or lost all their belongings forever and escaped somewhere far away, saving their own lives and their families, looking for shelter in safer regions of Ukraine. And those who were forced to stay in the territories occupied by the Russians have lost any means to live and function. And the worst thing is that people are deprived of basic medicines that help them maintain their lives and health. Having received the necessary medicines from us, everyone understands that they will continue to live, that the world is not indifferent to them. Look at these children, how they smile when they receive such desired packages of food, toys and sweets that they haven't seen for several months. It hurts to realize that the enemy deprives our children of all the joys of childhood that they should have. Our help goes to different parts of Ukraine, where it is still possible to deliver it. Our journey, of course, is not without adventures, but the Lord protects and leads us on half-destroyed roads, abandoned streets, and in large settlements that suddenly became wasteland. The greatest gratitude from any support comes from the military, who courageously defend our native land. Hygiene items, clothing, food, medicines and personal protective equipment, from the most basic to the most critical items, all of it is saving and protecting lives because all help is necessary. It adds confidence to our defenders that Ukraine's victory is coming. Your contribution to helping Ukrainians is invaluable. Thanks to your donations, the Lord saves the lives and health of every Ukrainian who has suffered from Russian aggression.
2: Брати і сестри, ми віна в Україні багатьох людей позбавила звичайного життя. Позбавила спокою, їжі, одягу, житла. Третина людей сьогодні живуть в невизначеності, як жити далі. Ваша підтримка допомогла повернути надію, що ці люди не кинуть, що поруч них є ті, хто хвилюється і допомагає їм вижити у цій складній ситуації. Я щиро дякую за Божу любов, яку ви маєте і проявляєте до нас, яку ви проявляєте не тільки на словах, але й на ділі. На жаль, війна в Україні ще не закінчилась, і залишається ще багато нужденних людей, які не зможуть вижити без вашої допомоги. Дякую вам щиро за те, що ви весь цей час не залишали нас. Нехай Господь благословить вас. Мир вам. Сенків
0: Yeah, thanks, Lane. Um, that that uh, you know that film uh, was done by one of our partners, and and basically, when you look at all the the work that each one of these churches are doing right around the country, it's just an enormous army of people. But all of this work is 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 being done because of people like you that are supporting this kind of work. And uh, you know, the thing I've learned about you is that you know you give them an opportunity and and they'll turn the world upside down and the other thing about ukraine that uh you know i don't think people realize that ukraine really is the spiritual center of europe ukraine are sending more missionaries to their own country and to foreign countries than any other country in eastern europe And I've been saying this really for 26 years, that Ukraine is a breeding ground of evangelism throughout the former CIS, the former Soviet Union, and also in Europe. You know, I visited the president of the Baptist Union, who was a good friend of mine, um, maybe six, seven years ago in, in Kiev. And he said, you know, Lloyd, I just came back from Portugal, where I ordained 15 young, new pastors, all Ukrainian boys who had immigrated to Portugal. Started their own churches, so we've got that are sending missionaries to Africa. Ninety-five percent of all the missionaries in Russia today are from Ukraine, and we have Ukrainians sending missionaries to their own country. and And uh, when you when you think of Ukraine, uh, things a special place in this heart country because it is. You know, the, the, even just the Baptist Union in Ukraine is the largest evangelical body in all of Europe, let alone the Pentecostal Association and all the others. So Ukraine is and always has been um, a very important part of, of Europe's history from a spiritual perspective. But, you know, um, I, I was, as I mentioned earlier on, I was thinking about, you know, some things that God has been putting on my heart because I, I just I see the problems that we have in our churches today. I see the division that we have. We've never seen stuff like this before and there are reasons for that. But how do you make your life count in a hurting world? And we know the world. You know, there's there's an old missions phrase that I remember. I used to go to all these mission conferences and of course, Hart was doing something completely different. But I remember seeing this phrase about how you 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 have to go or give or... Uh, uh, I'm not so sure about... Uh, uh, I, I, I've always believed that we should be going and giving and praying. And, uh, let me, let me sort of build a bit of a case here for that. But I mean, going into your world, what does that mean? I mean, why have we been saved as Christians? We have been saved to serve in order to serve our number one goal on earth. Our real, our sole purpose for being here is making God's love known to others making his love known to others. And going into the world, the proper Greek context of that is really going into your world. And I may have told you this story before. or uh, Some of you might not have heard of it, but here, here is, here's here's an, an extreme example of going into your world. A good friend of mine in Ukraine, his name is Gregory. He was also the number one mass murderer in Ukraine. He was convicted of 18... 18- of 18 murders, and he was a mafia hitman. So he was in a druggy world, and he was a mafia hitman, and he was one bad character. But remarkably, he became a Christian through one of the prison ministries that Hart supports and has been involved with for 25 years. And I was intrigued by his story uh, because he was now a Christian. I thought, you know what, I got to meet this guy. And it took a bit of doing because they don't allow foreigners into this particular part of the prison that he's in because it's a row of cells, 12 or 13 cells with two to three guys in each cell. Each one of these guys is in there for murder, multiple murders, not just one person, but multiple people. And he was, he was the head of the gang after, you know, having killed uh, over 18 people. I had to go in to see him. I went under with a false pass- and 14 years of security to get into this inner sanctum of this prison where Gregory and the rest of these guys were. It was a fascinating experience. Gregory's the person on your left, on my right, in this picture. Uh, look into his eyes. If you were to go on, on, you could actually Google the guy, apparently, on, on uh uh, you know, uh, on Google. And and you you see this guy, the way he was when he was arrested and when he was in jail, this guy was satanic. And you look into his eyes, uh, ain't that way anymore. But his personal transformation is dramatic that the warden allowed him to change cells every month. And he's now preaching to all the guys in this death row area, although they've done away with capital punishment. And over the years, so I was, so matter of fact, the guy in the white shirt there, the T-shirt, we were baptizing him that day, uh, another one of Gregory's spiritual children. Out of the 30-some guys that were in, in this ward, in this prison, we baptized now, I think it's 10 or 11 at the last that we counted, 10 or 11 of these guys. So, the, and these guys are all mass murderers. We have guys that in this prison area that are now knitting tubes and mittens for, uh, for children, for orphans. They're, now they realize they, they're going to end up in jail for the rest of their lives, but they want to give back. And so that's what Gregory's been doing. But I remember I had a conversation with Gregory, and I said, you know, you are absolutely obedient to Christ's great commission. Because, Gregory, your world is the pr- this person. This is your world. And that's absolutely true. It's just like you be your world, your school that you teach in. Your world could be whatever. Go into your world, wherever God has placed you. Cultivate friendships amongst non-Christians. Part of the problem we have today is that, you know, going into your world really should mean leave your politics behind. I, you know what? I lived in the U.S. I was a real estate developer a number of years ago, way prior to Hart. And I was a Ronald Reagan Republican. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, I tell all my Republican friends today, you're never going to lead your neighbors to Christ. You will lead your bleeding heart, liberal, democratic neighbor to Christ if you have a Trump sign on your lawn. Simple as that. Because now you've lost that ability to develop a friendship. And it's okay to have your own political views, but our number one goal may really make love known to others. And I, I see too much of politics, and I stay clear of politics. I just don't even want to get involved because it's so divisive. So if we're going to go into the world, I think we have to be really, really smart about this. And, and remember that our commanding officer is Jesus Christ. It's not a political party or a political figure. It's Jesus Christ. We have to be serious. If we're serious about changing the world, we need to be serious about our approach to how we're doing that. You know, and because of the divisive nature in the church today, it's unbelievable. Every every evangelical church is divided. I read this article yesterday in the, about Bono, you know, the lead singer of U2. Wow, he put this so well. Because I've talked to Samaritan's Purse. I've sat and talked to the leadership at Samaritans Purse, and I said, "Guys, we have a divided church in North America. What are we doing about it? What and bring people back together in restoration? They have no answer. It was like deer in headlights. Look, no answer. This is the Billy Graham Association. They're they're." You know, we we kind of expect our leaders to come up with some solutions and we have a very divided church. This is what Bono said and I thought this is pretty cool. Just yesterday I read this. He said, "We'll find common ground by reaching for higher ground." He's absolutely right. How how do we come come together with people we disagree with? The only way we do that is by reaching for higher ground. And that a higher ground to do with our our, our obedience to Christ and Christ alone. Secondly, so the first thing is go into your world. Secondly, how to make your your life count really giving and I, there's things to to give. One of them that that I witness every day when I'm in Ukraine when we're handing out funds for a church, for a ministry, for a pastor, you know. The number one reason for giving is that God will get glory. God will be praised and he will get glory. I've seen so many of these pastors and churches and deacons fall on their knees. And the first thing they do is just praise God for the support that people from Manor Gospel gave us so we could pass it along to someone in Ukraine. God is glorified. And it's biblical. Second Corinthians 9.13 says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Amazing. God gets glory when we give. Secondly, you, you can change a life or you can save a life. You know, he's going to change. I can't change the world. I can't change the world. But you know what? Each of us can change the world for one person. Each of us. And thanks to people like you, A mother of four who needs an operation, she needs a hundred bucks, doesn't have it, she would die otherwise, will now have that operation. You can help us build a water well in a gypsy village where kids will die of poisonous water. You can change the destiny of a child through the child sponsor program. We have all kinds of kids that need support. And I think our child sponsor program, when this war is over, is going to explode because there is such in Ukraine to help these poor families. Right now, 50% of the, of, of the jobs in the country are gone. So we have all kinds of people living in poverty. And yet our child-sponsored program, we have about a 1,000 kids in the program. We're still getting food to all these people, to all families. You can change the destiny of an entire family by having a child get a university education. We have a scholarship fund. You can change a life by sending a kid to summer camp. Do you realize that we had summer camps this past summer in the middle of a war? We were we couldn't believe it. We contacted all of our different partners and we said, guys, okay, obviously you're not going to have summer camps this year, uh, but make sure that we talk about it for next year and, and get organized earlier. And they said, what do you mean? We're still having camps. It won't be stationary camps. It'll be day camps, but we're still doing camps. We have our churches full of of, of refugee kids. They all want to they they need to have a camp for three or four or five days to get their minds off the trauma that they've been through. So we still had camps this summer. You can send a kid to camp and change that that child's life. And when you sub, you know, you know even more. God is still working. You know, the interesting thing is, you know, Paul talks about everyone in the church has a role to play. And here's what I hear from the pastors in Ukraine. They're all saying, we have never seen this before. But everyone in our church is helping the refugees. Somebody's cooking and cleaning and driving a car or praying with them or caring for them. Or taking them to the borders or, or just listening to them, everyone in the church has a job to do, and most of the people in the churches today are unemployed. they all have jobs to do to help the refugees and pastors are telling me we feel like've we have our, our spiritual youth again. our church has been revitalized were involved in these of the church. And one pastor said to me, it's hard It's hard to imagine, but he said, you know, as much as the refugees need us, we need the refugees because it's changed our church. We have more non-believers in our churches than ever before. We're baptizing more than ever before. And it's not just because of the war. It's because of the attitude of the local churches, Christians. They're loving these people. They're making God's love known to all of these refugees. You know, another, another thing about the war, I read about this not too long ago, and then I've heard some stories about this, but you know, in, in Poland, uh, Poland's the same size as Ukraine, about 35, 40 million people they only had about 5,000 evangelicals where Ukraine, amongst all the maybe when you think of millions I don't know, five, six, seven million people went into Poland. You know what was happening to the local church of the evangelical churches? People that used to have 20, 30, 35 people on a Sunday were now up to three and 400 people every Sunday. The refugees are coming to the local churches and exploding them. And the local churches now are going through this incredible revival and are getting more involved with refugees. And it's, it's just been unbelievable. There's, a, there's an evangelical revival going on in Poland because of these refugees. And there are places where their homes have been destroyed. Trauma, because they've had to leave their father and their, and their husband behind. Because he cannot leave the country. It's just amazing what God is doing in the middle of a war. It's well last the third point is to pray generously. How to make your life count? Praying is the most important thing you can do. Powerful things happen when we pray. And I'm going to tell you a, another story again. I might have told you this before, but in case you haven't heard it, you need to hear this story. Pastor Gennady goes into, from 2014, he goes into the gray areas where it's, it's between the troops. It's a, troops. It's a gray area where people can't leave. They have nowhere else to go. He goes in there giving people food, spiritual support for them, clothing, all Toys for children. We've had all kinds of toys from the Calgary Stampede make it all the way to the front lines of Ukraine uh, and given to kids, you know, these soft toys given to kids. But Pastor Gennady has been doing this, and now especially he is out there as often as he can, and your support is helping him do this. But he'll take a team from his church, and they'll load it up with food and clothing, whatever they need, and just before they leave, they have a word of prayer. And then Pastor Gennady asks the people coming with him to volunteer that day. He says, are you prepared not to come home today? Are you prepared not to come home today? Because he said, if, if you can't answer yes, don't come with us. Because it's dangerous. And you might not come home that day to your family me just an incredible story. On one of the trips, they had stopped at a checkpoint, and they got out of the van, because the the Ukrainian army was going to be checking all the passports, etc. As soon as they got out of the van, Gennady heard this at the beginning, the first story I mentioned to you about, heard this hissing noise, and he knew what that meant. Within seconds, They were all going to die within seconds. Interesting. He had a conversation with God in the space of two seconds. And he said to God, Heavenly Father, it looks like my life will be over, but I'm happy dying while serving you. You know what God told him? He heard God tell him, Gennady, you're not going to die today. And Gennady goes into this little conversation with God. And he says, is it because I've sacrificed so much to serve you? I leave my own family and I come out here and and I'm serving you. And God says, no, that's not the reason. He said, well, is it because of the local? need the prayer support. And God says, no. And and Gennady says, why am I not going to die today? And God answers him. It's because of all the people. That are praying for you, your ministry, and for your protection. So the epilogue to the story. Uh, the bomb landed several meters away, but it was a dud. The power of prayer. Think about how powerful your prayers are. How to make your life count. You know, um, we live in a broken world. We live in a world that needs to hear about Christ. We live in a world that needs to see the lo- God's love for them. And that's up to us to do. I believe if you want to make your... And, and, and pray. Um, if... You know, I'm not sure Pastor Dan if you have a minute because I'm I'm I can't believe I'm almost on time here, but uh, does anybody have any questions? Maybe something I didn't cover in this presentation today. Does anyone have a question? I'm sorry, Dan, what was that? Oh, you know what uh, <laughs> i've I've got a whole list of things to pray uh for Ukraine in a very specific, and I'll make sure I send that to you so you could pass that along to everyone, just specific prayers for i mean just just everything from all the pastors, all of our partnerships pray, pray that this war ends. Pray that for the protection of all the people. You know, we have, we have people right now, I've got some video of a guy that will go into recently liberated uh, towns and villages to evacuate elderly people from these uh, places. And I've got a video of this guy driving in his van and the running at him in the ditch as he's driving on this road, weaving in and out of busted up tanks and all kinds of stuff. He's a volunteer. So many people around the country are volunteering their time, risking their lives. People. people, God's hand a protection on everyone out there that are just, you know, just doing whatever they can to help these people that have been traumatized. It's, It's phenomenal. Now, the other thing I was going to mention, too, if, like, we send out uh, a blog almost every two weeks. And and if anybody wants to see, we've got, I think we're on number 25 since the war started. So we're doing, we're doing, you know, at least two a month. Uh, but it's a whole litany of unbelievable stories uh, that are going on during this war period. So I just suggest people go to our website. And, and, and you'll see what we've been doing for the last number of 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 really the last eight months uh and and or if people want to be on there we'll just just send me a list of people who want to be added just to get the blogs and because in each moment i we'll be praying for every one of those
1: uh, wave to him uh, and say thank you
0: Thank you. Uh, Jim and are Jim and Dorothy there? Are Jim and Dorothy there today?
1: No, they're not here today, but they might be watching online.
0: So Okay, wonderful. Just wanted to say hi to them. I was so looking forward to getting one of Dorothy's apple pies, but uh I'll have to tell her just to put it in a fr- in a freezer and, and I'll pick it up next time I'm around. <laughs> but so good to see all of you. Uh you know, your church has been so special for us. Honestly, you guys have been uh probably one of the first churches that took us under your wings and and we've always had a special relationship with you and uh to me it's a, an absolute joy and a privilege to to be able to count you as as people in hearts family and just so close to me and i we thank you for all of your support over the years well, god you. bless you all